All right, welcome into another edition of Stuck in Misery, the best Midwest sports talk podcast. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, running the two-man band tonight with my guy, James West. James, we've got some breaking news tonight on the pod. Urban Meyer back in the game for the Jags. Your first thoughts on Urban Meyer back in football, now a head coach in the NFL. First of all, it's super interesting, right? It's like uh, when this type of thing happens, I'm going to want to watch Jags games next year. Like how weird is that to say? That's kind of like, that's, that's, I would have to say is my first reaction, but let's just say as a Notre Dame fan, I think this lines up perfectly, right? Because it gives Brian Kelly like three, four more years. He can retire however they want to do it. Urban Meyer can fail in the NFL, come back, get hired by Notre Dame, redeem his image and win another championship and sail up into the sunset as one of the greatest college football coaches of all time. I hate to burst your bubble, James, but the Texas Longhorns fans are hoping for the same thing. I think the Urban Meyer rumor mill will come around yet again for the University of Texas. So I think that they have the same thought process there, even though Steve Sarkeesian has now taken over as head coach of the Longhorns. I mean, sure. Sure. But if Urban Meyer wanted to go to Texas, he would have been hired by Texas this year, not the Jaguars. That's fair. I'll say this, man. I think we might need to take a field trip down to Jacksonville. I want to go see a game in the pool. I want to go see Trevor Lawrence and the boys and see what Urban Meyer can do. At the very least, I think this is going to sell some tickets for the people in Jacksonville. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think, too, with them, it's like they're primed to, to get the right pieces. I think the thing about this Jacksonville team that makes me think is like, is Urban Meyer in a position to win now? Or is he in a position to continue to develop all these young players that the Jags are, are going to have through draft picks and to develop Trevor Lawrence? So then I guess my question in that is, what is the timetable for Urban Meyer to have success on this team? I do think that the Jags have a blank slate, James. And if you're an artist, it's a completely blank canvas. It's not just the Trevor Lawrence number one overall pick that you're going to take. They also have another first round pick, two second round picks, and a third round pick. And oh, by the way, $75 million in cap space. So I think that the Jags front office bringing in Urban Meyer, they can mold a team how they see fit to what Urban Meyer does well as a coach. And we know what he can do in big-time games. He's really effective in bowl games, has a 3-0 record in national championship games as a college coach. We'll see how that translates over in the NFL. Might take a few years, might take a season or two, but you're going to have a lot of young talent coming into this Jaguars offense, and that starts this upcoming season. For sure. I think the draft is going to be – it's going to be even more exciting just to watch what this team's plan is and what this team is going to do under Urban Meyer now for that exact reason that you said. It's a blank slate. I don't know how to like have this conversation without with a little bit of speculation. And when we look back at Urban Meyer's like coaching history, I feel like I feel like one of his biggest critiques is always like a little bit of a lack of institutional control. That I think that's a little bit of an overstatement, but I mean. In his programs, there there does always happen to be a little. It's never it's never a squeaky clean, you know. Like you look at Nick Saban and Urban Meyer isn't quite as as clean and polished, I guess, as far as his uh, resume on morality. Goes. I'll make an analogy for you, James. 
the foundation of the programs that he's built are built on quicksand. So you go to Nick Saban, who just won what is seventh national championship. Sure. Urban Meyer coached well at the university of Florida and then retired for health reasons. Then the same thing happened over again at Ohio state, but towards the end of his tenure at Ohio state, he couldn't quite get it done. Ryan day's done a great job filling in for urban Meyer and they seem to have a great coach in Ryan day now, but the foundation that he builds his football teams on isn't quite the same, but he is known for quick turnarounds once he comes in. And I am curious to see if he's able to translate that at the NFL level. Do you think that's why they hired him for a quick turnaround? Saying the quicksand is a little bit of an overstatement, but that's kind of the idea I think you were trying to get at. Yeah, exactly. It's not that his teams have like a short championship timeline by any means. Because Ohio State's still good. Because where when he left Florida, Florida was good. It's not like he builds a team and then it's it's the catastrophe that brings the team down. It's it's more like a personal tarnish on his own level, you know? So I think when we say like some of this stuff, it's like quicksand. It's not like he'll do something for a team and there's a short timetable to win a championship before he's irrelevant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely agree with what you saying quicksand again, a little bit of an oversimplification. But James, I'm really excited because again, I joked about going into the pool in Jacksonville, what used to be Everbank Stadium. I believe it's TIAA Bank Field at this point in Jacksonville. They changed the name, but a place and a franchise that has struggled to get fans traditionally. And that's just because you come off a 2017 season where they go in the AFC championship game and very nearly knock off the new England Patriots. Obviously that has come and gone considering all of the star players that they've traded from a Leonard Fournette to a Jalen Ramsey, uh, Yannick Ngankwe, all of the star talent that they had on this team. And now this team is in rebuild mode, but again, they've got the picks and the cap space to do it. hundred percent. It's like what you said, it's Jacksonville, is going to be a very different team next year. You can assume they're going to be young, but we'll see what happens. And I think one last thing, I think that what Trevor Lawrence will do for that fan base and that franchise is similar to what Joe Burrow did, reinvigorating the Cincinnati Bengals. And so I'm excited to see that young quarterback talent come into this league, blue chip quarterback talent come into this league. A guy who's a very considered a very short thing as a prospect I don't think anyone's a home run upon entering the league, but I'm really curious to see how that pairing, how that fit is with both Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence, the likely number one overall pick. For sure. One more question, though, for you, Mark. A way too early prediction on how many games the Jags will win next year, only knowing that they're most likely going to draft Trevor Lawrence and now they have Urban Meyer as a head coach. Well, considering they only won one game this last year, the week one win over the Colts, I would probably put the over under somewhere around four, James, if I were an odds maker. And so we'll see what exactly that number comes out to be once the schedules are released, once we figure out who's actually on this Jaguars roster after the draft and once we get into free agency. But four games is probably about where I would put that opening up for the 2021 season for the Jacksonville Jaguars. If you're Trevor Lawrence, are you pumped for this hire? Why wouldn't you be? Why, why, why wouldn't you be? And honestly, here's the thing, James, right? You can either go to this Jaguars franchise, which again is a blank slate, but a team that has been to an AFC championship game in the last five years, a franchise that's done that, or the New York Jets, you tell me. So considering what the alternative is, absolutely. 
He's a Southern boy too. I think he'll enjoy Jacksonville. That regionalism is a great point too and appealing to fans as well, just because he did go to Clemson, Clemson, South Carolina, not all that far from Jacksonville, Florida. We will go to the NFL divisional round games and James. There are four of them. You've got Rams at Packers, Ravens at Bills, Browns at Chiefs, and Bucks at Saints. Let's open up with the game, James, that you think is the most intriguing, and we'll go from there. What game would that be? The most intriguing. I feel like that's different than what I think the best game is going to be. So I think the best game is going to be Ravens-Bills. At least I hope that's going to be the best game. Lamar Jackson and that Ravens offense just exploded last week. And to see them go up against the Bills, like it's just it's, a, it's an exciting quarterback matchup. The Bills are just they're just fun to watch this year. And, uh, and so I'm hoping for another like really great game this weekend. Um, I'm going to go Lee Corso on you here, James, not so fast. I'm assuming you saw that Lamar Jackson run, which is one of the most incredible quarterback runs I've ever seen. That's probably been on loop at the West household the last few weeks. Listen, like James, the Ravens only put up 20 points against a bad Titans defense. So how many times have you seen that replay? Hey man, Sammy's not here to talk about his boys, but Titans lock it down during uh, during the playoffs, man. They're I oh think, my uh, god! I think they're I think they're a playoff team, you know. All right, but I'll tell you this: maybe it was that Lamar play that is making me excited about this game. But still, it's still going to be Ravens defense versus Bills offense, and that's going to be a pretty darn exciting matchup as well. Really, the all of these I think are going to be good games, except for like maybe. Packers versus Rams I, when I look at the lineup like I think that's the game that I'm least excited about I can't really tell you why other than like other than that like I don't think the Rams are like very good this year and that they kind of like got lucky and just like stomped <laughs> stomped on Seattle well I think the Rams defense is legit because you've got Aaron Donald up front who's getting double and triple teams still putting up production and then Jalen Ramsey's one of the best if not the best corner in the game The reason to watch this one, though, James, is simple. Jared Goff, who's still coming back from that thumb injury, was pretty ineffective a week ago in the NFC wildcard game against the Seahawks. If he struggles or if he gets hurt, his backup is Blake Bortles. I don't want to wish injury upon anyone, but I want to see Blake Bortles back in the playoffs. That's the reason why you watch this one, James. Okay, so so you're watching this one hoping that Jared Goff hurts himself. I didn't say that. I didn't say I that. Like, hey, I, I think if you're a Rams fan right now, you could arguably be hoping that Jared Goff hurts himself too so that you can get a new quarterback. <laughs> well, it is a bummer that John Wolford will be out, and I thought he played admirably in relief of Goff. Clearly, Goff isn't 100%. I always do hate critiquing players when you know they're banged up. I felt bad about Drew Brees earlier this season when it's just like, oh, you know, his ribs are goofed up. That's why he can't throw the ball beyond 10 yards. But, James, I think it is interesting. The Packers and the Chiefs both get buys. You've got seven teams from each conference, 14 teams total get into the playoffs. I found this fascinating. The last team to make the Super Bowl without a bye week was the 2012 Baltimore Ravens. So again, different playoff format and previous seasons in the sense that you get six teams per conference in where the two top teams per conference in the past have gotten a bye. Again, 
you have a seven team per conference format this season, but the Packers and the chiefs both get buys. I'm curious to see if getting that buy is as important as it has been for the last five to 10 years. Definitely. It'll be interesting to see kind of how this all play plays out, how the new format will affect kind of some of these long-standing stats, but not necessarily talking about the, the, uh, the chiefs buy, but how do you think that that could maybe come into play with the Browns coming in after playing very well against the Steelers? And are you giving the Browns any shot in this game? Because for me personally, I look at this game and based on how the Browns played last week, I hope this would be a game. Like I look at it and I go, man, like, yeah, that could be a really exciting game. That could be a game to watch, but it's like, you look at it and you're just like, okay, but like, let me be rational. Let me think about this. Like, can the Browns do that two weeks in a row? Can the Browns really like, are the Browns going to knock off the chiefs? I'm not saying the chiefs are invincible by any means. Like they've had a few games this year where they almost lost and they kept it way closer than it probably should have been. Like, can the Browns produce that? Your most ardent Browns fan is going to argue this, James. The chiefs haven't won a game by more than one score since November the 1st and a win over the New York jets. So they've been playing with house money. They've gotten out to early lead. So a lot of times they're trying to play by protecting a lead. That's the argument there in feeding Nick Chubb and Kareem hunt, controlling the line of scrimmage, controlling the clock, keeping your defense off the field. And more importantly, Patrick Mahomes off the field. That's the recipe. Even if you're able to do that though, the Chiefs offense is so good with Kelsey and with Tyree Kill, with Sammy Watkins, with Clyde Edwards Elaire is expected to be back for the Chiefs. Le'Veon with, Bell. With all of the different offensive options that the Chiefs have, I don't think that the Browns defense can hang because the Browns defense has Miles Garrett, but Denzel Ward is due back for this Browns secondary. But unless the Browns can figure out how to clone him, I don't know how they're going to be able to slow down all the different options that the Chiefs have from an offensive standpoint. And because of that, I don't think that there's any way that they upset the Chiefs. 10 points is an awful lot, but I also think that having that bye week will help the Chiefs get right and figure out what they need to do. So I think that the Chiefs will cover, even though I think that 10 points is a lot. Even if you're able to establish the ground game, the Chiefs can put up points so fast. I look back to last year's playoff run where they're in a playoff game against the Texans down 24 and they don't even blink. I have to agree with you as far as even though it's 10 points, taking the Chiefs to cover. And, you know, that's coming from the guy who who called the Browns winning last week. I don't know, you know, for oh, okay. it was called. It was called. I told you it was going to happen. I told you this is a revenge game. <laughs> so this is a revenge game. I said, Baker Baker will come out. He always plays better with a chip on his shoulder. Give him a little adversity, and, and Baker ups his game every single time, and, and look what happened. But I don't see Baker knocking off the Chiefs. Uh, but hypothetically, if it did happen, I wouldn't be that mad because I think it would be a great storyline. I would love to see – like how they had that big 12 shootout where Mayfield was at Oklahoma and Mahomes was at Texas tech and they absolutely went back and forth. I would love to see a high scoring game, big 12 style in this one. I don't know if that will happen, but I tell you what, 
Baker Mayfield's played really well in year three, and you've got to credit head coach Kevin Stefanski, who's also due back this week. He actually joined the bronze practice facility today for the first time in more than a week because he had tested positive for COVID-19. So he'll be due back for the Browns. I'd imagine if he's not going to win NFL coach of the year, he's a leading candidate too. He's done a terrific job with this Browns team, leading them to an 11 and five record and getting to the Browns into the postseason for the first time in 18 years. And so you get him back, you get Denzel Ward back. You never know. And I will say too, the guy who could be the X factor for the Browns, Everyone always mentions Nick Chubb, who I think is a top three running back, but Kareem Hunt going up against his former Kansas City Chiefs team. If he takes it to another level, he already said that this game's personal for him. If he and Chubb can take it to another level, who knows? They do have a good recipe in terms of controlling the clock, controlling the line of scrimmage. I mean, James, you mentioned that Steelers game. You watch the line of scrimmage, and if you turned your TV all the way up, the impact and the collision of the big uglies up front, to me, that's what football is all about. It's a line of scrimmage game. Totally. But, uh, you know, we, we were talking about this and even said that Steelers' offensive line is suspect, not great. We'll have to see. We'll have to see about the Chiefs. They, I don't you – know, honestly, I don't know much about the Chiefs' offensive line, but I would assume, given the stats that Patrick Mahomes throws up, that uh, – that, that they're pretty decent. Absolutely. Let's go to the Bucks Saints, and it's no country for old men. Tom Brady, 43 years old. Drew Brees turns 42 on Friday, James, depending on when our listeners hear this. But it's amazing to me, aside from Aaron Rodgers, the rest of the NFL quarterbacks are actually pretty young. Baker Mayfield is the elder statesman in the AFC because Patrick Mahomes is also 25 and then Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson are 24. And then Jared Goff is 26 years old, but you've got Brady versus Breeze. First time this has ever happened in the playoffs. Did you see that graphic that got put out on social media advertising this game, Brady versus Breeze on the history channels? Unbelievable. Yeah. They gave uh, they gave like Tom Brady at James Harden. Like gray beard. <laughs> he looks like a Gilded Age president, they, like they uh, Ulysses Brees, S. Grant. They kind of made Drew Brees, uh, I don't know, I think with those glasses they put on, they kind of made him look like you, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good looking lad then. I tell you what, James, the Saints took care of business both times in the regular season. Remember, these two teams play in the NFC South, but. The Buccaneers get back Devin White, their leading tackler, a guy who had nine sacks in the regular season as well. I think a key in this one might be how effective can Chris Godwin be for Tom Brady and this Buccaneers offense because he had at least four drops in the Buccaneers playoff game against the Washington football team. You're able to take care of business against an inferior NFC East opponent, but I don't know. To beat a team three times in one season is a tall ask for the Saints, but they go into this game favored by three. And remember, they are the home team as well. I'm not sure how much of an advantage it'll be at the Superdome without as many fans as there would be as if you had a packed house, a sellout crowd. Yeah. I mean, I think you hit it on a huge point of this game is that it's really hard to even like play a team three times. You know, by the third time you play them, like, they know your tricks. They know what you're good at. They know what you're bad at. Think about all the film that these guys have watched on each other. Like, really, I think what this one's going to come down to is just who's going to come up with the big play. 
right? Because it's like, I don't really, I just, these teams are so familiar with each other that, you know, it's, it's sort of like what happened with uh, the Rams and the Seahawks, right? Those teams also played each other three times and look what happened. Look at the upset that happened. You know, both the, I, would, I consider both of these teams much stronger than the Rams, but you know, I'm, I mean, I guess I'm looking now at, at the Buccaneers last few games, like they're certainly, they put up points, you know, they put up points. Brady's found the fountain of youth, James, a stat they said during the broadcast of the Buccaneers Washington football team game. I thought this was incredible. The Buccaneers during the regular season beat one playoff team in their blowout win against the Green Bay Packers. So they take care of the Washington football team in the wild card round. How good is Washington consider they're a seven and nine team entering the postseason as the NFC East representative? So that's something where if the Saints win for a third time this season, tells you all you need to know about the Buccaneers and the fact that they drew a pretty weak schedule this season. You can't control who you play, but the fact they only beat one playoff team during the regular season was pretty incredible to me. Yeah, you know, thinking back to like, you know, you said you wish that uh, that, that Chiefs-Browns game will be a shootout. Like, I want to I see a shootout in this game. I want to see the two guys just go at it, just slinging it down the field. I think that would be great. And, uh, and I think, too, you know, I, I don't really know who I want to win this game. I don't know if I really care who wins this game. I do hope that Drew Brees – if the Bucks happen to win, I hope Drew Brees has a, has a heck of a game because it could very well be his last one. And, you know, you, I don't want to see a, a guy, you know, a legend like Drew Brees just go out on a, on a kind of on a crap game, you know? You're in my brain, James, because I think if Brady and the Bucks lose this game, Brady is under contract for another season. I don't think that there's any way that Brady retires regardless of the result of this game like zero chance no, whereas no. i think if I think, the saints and in breeze lose i think breeze i think breeze is done after this season regardless yeah i think as far as brady and retiring goes he uh he kind of wants like that john elway walk off into the sunset finish to his career but that's the thing too james is even if they win super bowl 55 which is going to be played in tampa i think he comes back for another season regardless of how this season ends for him in the Buccaneers. Possibly. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, he's still playing. So I think for him and making this move, especially this year, I don't think that it's a, uh, I don't, I don't necessarily know. I don't, I mean, I mean, and you know, you know, he's gunning for one, but especially with COVID and, and having there be so many new pieces and all the stuff that's happened with the Bucks, all these new players that they brought in. It's like, I, I don't necessarily know if they, like there's chemistry, right? Like I think that's one of the reasons why that New Orleans team has beat the, uh, the Bucks twice is they have more chemistry with their, with their players and between their core players than the Bucks do, you know, next year, I, I could very well see the Bucks sweeping the saints the same way. I mean, especially if Drew Brees retires. Right. So as far as saying like, even if Tom Brady would have won it this year, I don't, I mean, I know that that's the expectation and that's the goal, but in reality, like, I don't necessarily think that was, like, maybe, like, the expectation. Whereas, like, you know, you give him a, a, another year, maybe three years, and he starts getting out of, like, where he has to return, he's under contract. That's what I was saying. Like, you know, I think that's what he's looking for, you know? 
he's not going to come to the Bucks and play like one season, win a Super Bowl, and retire. No. Maybe if he plays like three seasons or four seasons and you can get one there right at the end of his career, right? Right as he's getting, you know, I mean, God, how old would he be in four years? Like 40. How old is he? Well, now? he's 43 right now. 43, so, so plus four. <laughs> Does he even have four? You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, he's not, he's there for a good time. He's not there for a long time. So. I think 45 is kind of that magic number for him to where if he can make it to 45 years old, it would be like if he can even play and take a team to the playoffs at that age. I mean, already what he is doing is unprecedented. James, let's go through our picks really quickly, and then we will move on to our final subject topic. So Rams Packers at minus six and a half. I'm going to take Packers minus six and a half. Who you got in that one? Yeah, I got to agree with you. Packers. It's a pretty solid matchup on the strength of the team, right? So like Packers, great offense, Rams, very good defense, but I don't think that the Rams have enough in the tank offensively to cover the spread in this one. So I'm taking Packers to cover. The one matchup I can't wait to watch is Devontae Adams, the Packers star receiver going up against Jalen Ramsey on the outside. That's going to be awesome to watch. One of the best receivers in the game going up against one of the best corners in the game. Okay, the next matchup then, the Saturday night game, Ravens at Bills. I like the Bills to cover at minus two and a half. I'm happy Lamar and the Ravens got their playoff win. We completely avoided that storyline of, oh, do the Ravens need to blow it up? Is is Lamar Jackson not the guy, even though he's only in year three? But I think that this Bills team is the real deal, and I think that they present the biggest challenge to the Kansas City Chiefs. I like the Bills to cover the minus two and a half at home. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. I got to agree with you. I mean, both quarterbacks have great mobility, but the difference in this one is going to be that Josh Allen can throw it outside of the hash lines. Yeah, absolutely. And then Browns at Chiefs. Chiefs are a 10-point favorite. I just think they can put up too many points, and I just don't have faith in this Browns defense. James, in that Browns-Steelers game, there was a moment at the start of the fourth quarter where Mike Tomlin decided to punt the ball instead of go for it on a fourth and one, even though his team was down 12 points. If they convert that fourth and one play and the Steelers go down and score a touchdown, you're talking about a one-score game. Even despite the fact that the Browns went up 28 to nothing to start that game, I did not feel secure and confident that the Browns were going to pull out a win really until Tomlin decided to punt. If I felt that way against the Steelers offense, that is very, very flawed. And that's evident in having Ben Roethlisberger throw the ball 68 times in one game. What is Patrick Mahomes going to do, who's had a week, an extra week to rest, with all of the offensive weapons that they've had? They've had time to game plan and time to rest up. I think that the Chiefs can just put up way too many points, and that's the reason I like them to cover against the Browns. For sure. And I completely agree with you. But I think, like you're saying, even when the Browns were up big, you still didn't feel comfortable with them, that the lead was big enough, that they were going to let the Steelers back in. They're going to find a way to lose the game. What you're feeling there is losing culture, right? Like, I'm not even a fan of the Browns. And I, and I could, you know, I was excited they were doing well. But I, and I, was, but I was worried for them. I thought that they were going to blow it. That, like, that's how huge of an impact their, their losing culture has had on their franchise. But I will have to say this, winning a playoff game, I think will do huge things for this franchise. I Absolutely. think it gets the monkey off the back for 
not only Kevin Stefanski as a coach, I think Baker Mayfield as a quarterback to get a playoff win. I think that that might even been bigger than Lamar getting a playoff win. But I don't quite think that the Browns have quite what it takes to knock off the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are a special type of beast. And I don't think that that's a knock on the Chiefs. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of like anyone playing Alabama this year. It's like, oh, well, look at Notre Dame. Who would have thought that they lost to – lost to Alabama like less bad than any of the other teams you know what I mean it's like it's like when it comes to the Chiefs it's like how close can you keep it yeah and I think again that recipe is Chubb and Hunt I think the the Browns offense compared to the Chiefs defense I think they can hang there the concern I have is on the other side of the ball your defense going up against Patrick Moles in this offense which I'm just like yeah and really I would but, say this to any team in the league good luck but but the biggest thing is is the Chiefs can put points on the board so quickly can the Browns keep pace when they're such a run dominant team and not run into clock problems? I just don't think so. So do you, are you picking the chiefs to cover I'm the picking 10 the chiefs to cover the 10? Okay. Okay. And then the last one bucks at saints. This is the one where I was most conflicted here and James, I could be swayed either way. So I'm going to toss it to you before I make my pick. I'm still kind of up in the air on this one. For sure. And you know, it's like what I said, I think this is the game. I just want it to be, an offensive shootout. I want to see touchdowns all over the field, but uh, I think it's really hard. I think it's really hard to play a team three times. I think it's even harder to beat a team three times. I think you can learn a whole lot more about how to be a better football team by losing a game than by winning a game. And that's why I'm going to go with the bucks in this one to cover and also to win. I think they're going to win the game. I've got the Bucks covering as well. I don't know if they'll win. I don't know what team shows up. And again, I go back to you got absolutely smoked by this team twice during the regular season. And the fact that you've only beaten one playoff team headed into this game and your playoff win is against the Washington football team, who, let's be honest, James, great story this season. But if you were an NFC playoff team entering the postseason, Washington would have been the team you wanted to draw against. That has nothing to do with how good Washington has been defensively with their front four and all the first rounders on that defensive line. It had more so to do. We don't know what we're going to get from an offensive production standpoint. And the fact that Taylor Heineke played so well, he might've played himself into a starting role in the 2021 season, but that is your hang your hat on win. Other than the fact that, you blew out the Packers many weeks ago in the regular season. I don't know what I'm getting with Brady and this Bucks team, but the way that the Saints are headed into this one, you're going up against the team three times. If you can't get it done now, then when? Long story short, I do like the Bucks to cover the three against the Saints, but this, I think, will probably be the closest game this weekend, at least in my opinion. James, we're going to change gears here and we're going to talk about the James Harden trade and how I want to frame this is we're going to kind of role reverse this. I want you to be able to ask any questions you have from me about this deal because I'm ready to tee off. I'm ready to go. What questions do you have from the outset of hearing about this trade of James Harden to the Nets? I think to anyone listening to the pod right now, I think one of the big questions to any maybe casual NBA fan is, okay, so James Harden went from the Rockets to the Brooklyn Nets in a four-team trade. So let's tee off by you talking a little bit about who went where, how these players will 
affect each of these teams and what is the outlook of each of these teams moving forward? Okay. So first of all, James Harden goes to the Nets. The Pacers get Karis LeVert in a second rounder. The Cavaliers get Jarrett Allen and Torian Prince. So the Cavs seem to have several big men. They can have four different centers on their roster in the sense that you have Kevin Love, Andre Drummond, and JaVale McGee already on that roster. Jared Allen's a nice piece, though, 22 years old, a, a good young player. And then the Rockets get Victor Oladipo, Dante Axum, Rodinus Karokas, three Brooklyn first-rounders in 22, 24, and 26. Milwaukee's first in 22, which is unprotected, which is important. But then, and this might be the most important part of this trade, James, four first-round pick swaps in 21, 23, 25, and 27. Mark, what is a pick swap? That's a good question. So by the time KD, Kyrie, and James Harden are past their prime, so when you get into around the 2024 season, when these guys are in their mid to late 30s, they're going to be past their prime. They won't be playing at a championship level that they're expected to this season as the big three in Brooklyn right now. So the Rockets have the right to trade where they finish for their first round draft pick with the Brooklyn Nets if it's a better pick. So the reason why that's important is, say the Rockets actually develop their young talent and are good later in the future, they can say, well, because we have a worse pick than Brooklyn might have long-term, we can trade our first-round pick with theirs if they have a better pick than we do, which might be the most important part of this deal. For sure. So out of these teams, like obviously, I think – it can be said that Brooklyn is the winner here because they got the best player. I completely disagree. Well, that is a good point in the sense that the team that gets the best player in the short term is the winner and that you are right in that sense. It's title or bust for the Nets this season. And Vegas has the Nets go from the fourth best odds to win the title to the second best, which is why you make this move. You get one of the top five to 10 best players in the world in James Harden. But it's so hard to root for this guy because he says, I tried to make everything work. Have you? When you're going to the club in the middle of a pandemic, you show up fat and out of shape. When this franchise has done everything for you to try to make this work, you wanted Dwight Howard, he comes and goes. You wanted Chris Paul, he comes and goes. You flip Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook, which makes your team worse, but you played with him as a kid when you first started in the league, and that doesn't work out. The Rockets get a new coach in Steven Silas. You claim to have respect for him, but you don't show up for training camp because you'd rather go to the club. And when you show up, yeah, there's the game where you drop 44 points and 17 assists, but you didn't make it work because you didn't show up when it actually really mattered, and that's in the postseason. And that's maybe why this, this might actually work in Brooklyn because KD is going to be the Batman. James Harden can play Robin. Can Kyrie be Alfred? That's the analogy I've heard. But <laughs> with Kyrie, he's attending a Zoom meeting for the Manhattan District Attorney candidate. While his team's playing the Denver Nuggets, why do we take anything what Kyrie says seriously? Because ever since he was a flat earther, I have not given a grain of salt of anything that has come out of that dude's mouth. You're talking about a guy when he was leading the Cavs before LeBron came back to Cleveland, 
leads the Cavs to a 33-win team, and he carries himself as if he's one of the three best players in the world. And so the Nets now have to deal with Kyrie's crap and good luck having to deal with James Harden's crap in the sense that all this, the excuses that he's made. And I thought this was most telling, James, when Boogie Cousins is the one making the most amount of sense and is the most rational one saying that the disrespect started way before any interview, before any comments about, oh, I've tried everything I can do to try to make it work in Houston. When they have bent over backwards to try to make you as comfortable and try to get the highest level of production and make things work from you with all the bodies that are buried in Houston, whether it's Chris Paul, whether it's Russell Westbrook, Dwight Howard, Clint Capella, the list goes on and on and on. And how telling is it that Boogie Cousins is the one who looks rational here? I'm fired up, James. I'm fired up. No, I mean, I I think the Rockets are better off. They definitely, it hurts to lose a player of that caliber. But given the circumstance and given everything that's happened throughout this entire situation, good riddance. And I I think they're better off with all these picks. They're going to have a new, good, young core. They're going to be able to build the team, build the foundation. They have good players. They have Oladipo. They have John Wall. But they have have Eric Gordon now. Oladipo is going to be pretty good for them. So you've got a nice little foundation. John Wall, Boogie Cousins, Oladipo is a nice little three. It's going to win you a championship? No. But I'll tell you what. The other night, and this was – it was either Harden's last game or I don't know if he had stopped playing. Do you see that clip where LeBron shoots the three from the corner and turns around to the bench before it even goes in and his teammates are going nuts on the sidelines? That's against the Rockets. That's how little of a crap that the Lakers give about you because of how bad you are, because of the level of effort that you give on the court and how much you actually care. And so that's why where it's when James Harden says, I've tried everything that I can do to make this work. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. And so Steve Nash, who's a first-year head coach in Brooklyn, like, good luck, dude, because if this doesn't work, James, you have mortgaged the future, which is what the Nets did when they traded for Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett towards the end of their primes when they left Boston. And they traded all their picks away. And what did Boston do? They turned that into Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, two really good young players and guys who have made deep postseason runs early on in their career. And so that's what I'm talking about with all of the first-round picks that the Rockets get in this deal, three Brooklyn first-rounders, and then Milwaukee's first-rounder as well, so four. But then again, the pick swaps as well, which in the long term could be the most valuable part of this trade for James Harden. So the Rockets did get good value back. If you're the Rockets, though, you have to wonder, if we would have made a deal with Philly and we could have gotten back Ben Simmons, would that have been a better piece than what any of these first round picks could potentially be. That's the question that you have to ask yourself. You look at what Houston got from Brooklyn and you're trying to compare, well, what could the 76ers have given in exchange? And it's really what it comes down to. It's like, all right, well, if they would have traded Ben Simmons, right. But Ben Simmons can't shoot from the perimeter. So then what happens? You have to start giving other pieces to 
to kind of make up to make up for that lack of perimeter shooting that Ben Simmons brings, then what happens? So now if you're the 76ers, you're cutting into your roster. And is this trade for James Harden really worth it, especially given how he's conducted himself throughout this entire situation? I get he doesn't want to be in, in Houston anymore, but but like, damn. And I look at Brooklyn, right? And this is like I used to live in Brooklyn. That's why I wanted to talk to you I about this, I went to Nets James. games, I, and, I've, and I've, been a, I've been a huge proponent of this. Ever since they made the trade, uh, what is it, last year for Kyrie and KD, and they blew up the Nets. You know, they, they weren't the best team in the world, but, man, like they were scrappy, and they played as a team, and they were fun to watch because they were a bunch of nobodies who were making the playoffs, and it was awesome, and, and they were so fun to watch. And they had D'Angelo Russell, who was just dropping threes all over the place. And he was so exciting. And he had so much, like, kind of, I guess, like, you know, he'd kind of gotten a bad rap from L.A. And he was really kind of, like, rebirthed himself in, in Brooklyn. And it was a fun team. And it was a fun environment because it was so different than, you know, kind of like that corporate Knicks feel, you know? Like, they just bump Biggie Smalls during all the games. They, they, have, like a, they have, like, a dance crew that comes out and break dances on the wood floor in between like time math and stuff like it's a fun atmosphere it's a fun place to be like and tickets were cheap as heck you know and so then they bring in Kevin Durant and Kyrie KD's not even playing and it's just like you took that fun you took that accessibility for just like your casual fan and you like you blew it up because you're trying to be like a big three and it's like I get it I respect it that's fine but it's like look at who you got you got Kyrie who has like literally driven himself crazy trying to get out of LeBron's shadow. Arguably, you have KD, who's now em- embraced almost like this Detroit Pistons bad boys role where he's the villain. Oh, I'm the villain. Oh, it's, it's, just, like, it's just like he's so hurt because of how people hated on him for going to the Warriors and creating arguably one of the greatest super teams of all time. And like he's mad, he's still mad at everyone for hating on him, and he he wants his respect. And then you have Kyrie, who won a championship with LeBron against that great Warriors team, and is mad that people don't give him as much respect as LeBron, even though he never did in his career without LeBron on his team, as far as winning championships or making playoffs or even being relevant whatsoever outside of having, you know, a good three point shot and great handling skills. And now what are you doing? You're bringing in James Harden, who's now just shown you who he is as a player and what kind of cornerstone he can be for your franchise and how he's interacting with the Houston Rockets. And I'm just like looking, I was like, okay, so like, this is the big three that you're bringing in like this. I'm sorry, but like, but like, this isn't, this isn't Steph Draymond and like KD, right? This isn't like the Splash Bros and Draymond. This isn't LeBron, D. Wade, and Chris Bosh. This isn't insert any big three. Like, I don't, dude, I don't know if this is going to work because there's so much personality. There's so much hot air in these guys' heads. I could just see this thing crashing and burning so fast, so hard, and so spectacularly. Yeah, and like, is Steve Nash going to be able to go up to James Harden and just be like, yeah, man, you can't spend all hours of the night out in the club. We need you in shape to be able to actually didn't, make this thing work. Like, does he have the fortitude to do that? Didn't Kyrie, weren't Kyrie and KD on a podcast recently saying that coaches don't matter in the NBA? <laughs> well, let me say this, James. 
I know you loved watching D'Angelo and the Nets on the come up during the Kenny Atkinson era, who they ran out of town the moment they bring in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I'm not going to fault a team for bringing in Kevin Durant because when he was healthy, he was playing at a higher level than LeBron James. You've got a guy who's proven he wants to hoop, who chose to play with Kyrie Irving instead of wanting to continue his career with Steph Curry and trying to figure out a way to make it work in Golden State, even though, look, Golden State's always going to be Steph Curry's town. It just will. Like, that area of California, he is so beloved because they drafted him. And that's actually something that's really rare in sports now, to have a guy spend the duration of his career. Steph Curry is going to be a warrior for his entire career. So it was never going to be Kevin Durant's team because Curry had won a championship before Durant got there. Heck, he won 73 games without Kevin Durant. So there's a lot of people out there that says, oh, Steph Curry's ridden Kevin Durant's coattails the last few years. Okay, but you're talking about one of the best scoring forwards that's ever played the sport. Steph Curry was still an all NBA player, even without Kevin Durant. And so you go from that to Kyrie Irving, who when Kyrie Irving was in Boston, James, think about how beloved sports are in the Boston area. Every single Celtics fan would have voluntarily drove Kyrie Irving to the airport to get him the hell out of town in Boston because of what he did and because he's selfish. And I understand Kyrie wanting to get out from LeBron's shadow. I completely understand that because LeBron kept doing the year-to-year stuff. But the one thing I'll give LeBron is this. He never held a team hostage during the middle of the season, which is what James Harden has done in this circumstance. It is going to be kind of fun to see Harden and Durant pair together again, considering that they played together in Oklahoma City at the start of their careers. But considering all the usage rates that these guys have, it's hard to do a dueling banjos routine, but to have three players who think that they're the guy when again, in my pecking order would clearly be Kevin Durant's your alpha, your number one, James Harden's number two, and Kyrie Irving's three. And maybe Kyrie and Harden flip in the playoffs, just considering Kyrie Irving has won a championship and played at a really high level in the playoffs, and James Harden has not. But this is either going to go really, really well, or it's going to crash in flames. I don't think there's any in between. I mean, I kind of feel like these three guys teamed up to like take it to LeBron and kind of some like, super villain like revenge squad doesn't it feel that way to you it's just like why 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 would these three come together you know what i mean it's like i get kd and james harden but like i just don't get kd wanting to be like with Kyrie. you know i just it just doesn't really make sense to me and if you're kd it's like sure he doesn't necessarily he's embraced like the bad guy role but he like as far as you can tell, he still maintains himself very well professionally for the most part. But it's just like, is it almost like a judgment of his character that like this is who he chooses to be teammates with? It just raises a lot of questions for me. I don't know. Like, it'll be exciting to watch them in the playoffs, but I'm just like sitting here and I'm like, all right. I don't know if you're James Harden. I get it. He, he, want, he, went, he, went, he went to the club. I was going to say, why, why wouldn't James Harden want to go to the Bucks? And I answer that question in my own head because he already got caught going to the club and like, it's Milwaukee. It's not just going to the club either, James. It's going to the club during a pandemic. Well, newsflash for Mr. Harden. Things in New York are a little bit more locked down in Texas. <laughs> 
Let me ask you this, James, as we wrap up here, let me ask you one thing. If you're the Nets, do you make this deal in retrospect, knowing what it is now? I don't think James Harden is as big of an issue or as a big as big of a problem as Kyrie. And I think because of that, I do make this deal. Kyrie, I think it's still on like a what he's on a hiatus. He's just not, he's just not <laughs> sabbatical. He's just not playing right now, right? So we're talking about the Nets in terms of a big three. Like right now, it's a big two. It's James and it's Kevin. So it's like you get there and it's like, you know, I get it. Like maybe James Harden didn't want to be there and he had to force his way out. It can get ugly. I think he can redeem himself. I'm just saying like it got ugly. He's made some bad decisions with this whole thing, but I'm not going to say he can't redeem his image and be a great player along with KD uh, in Brooklyn. But I, I do have to say, like, I think Kyrie is an issue and I think potentially like you have to somehow get like a bit of an insurance policy in case he just go like he just goes off the deep end because I, there's a strong possibility at least in my mind that he might and so it's like in retrospect would i do the deal with james harden yeah for sure i think like getting kd last year and then getting james harden this year and then maybe like finding a different third piece that wasn't Kyrie would have been I think a better prospect but like once again it was like a free agency signing so I don't they didn't really have to give give up much that's interesting I think you have to make the deal in this sense if you win a championship all's forgiven but it's title or bust seriously it is title or bust and you at the very least have to make the finals and emerge out of the eastern conference to make actually at least make the finals. And I think it goes back to what you were saying in terms of matching up against LeBron, we're headed to a Nets Lakers finals. And I think that's pretty inevitable at this point. Yeah. And and I'll tell you this, I think everyone thinks like in terms of competition, like within the league, but you got to think of like competition in the city between like the Knicks and the Nets, just in terms of fandom. I mean, if you're, if you're the Knicks, like this has to be a dagger in the heart that, no free agent wants to go play for the Knicks. And at this point, you can't blame the city of New York. You can't, you just, the Knicks just have to take a good hard look in the mirror and be like, no one wants to play with them. No one wants to play for well, us. Well, James, you're not going to because, play. Look, because the Knicks are playing hard this year under Tom Thibodeau. They're it's, at least playing hard. And But here's the thing, James, at least you're not signing, a, and I say a star player. Imagine a guy like Kyrie was a Nick right now and not a net. You're not covering a flesh wound with a Band-Aid. The fact that they actually have to go with a more grassroots approach and try to attack this thing through the draft, I think ultimately could be better for the Knicks in the long term instead of trying to sign a phantom superstar who, again, is not going to even come there. He's just not. Yeah, but you even you even just said, like, a lot of the discussion has been like, all right, well, like, will KD go to New York or – can New York or can the Knicks like get some big name player in free agency? And the answer was like, no, no one wanted to go there. Yet you have three guys who all wound up in Brooklyn. And if you're a long standing like Knicks fan, like that is a slap to the face. If you're the Knicks organization, that is a slap to the yeah. face. Right. And sure, like, will it be better off down the line? Like, I don't know, maybe, but. If the Nets win a championship this year, like then it was like you said, all is forgiven. It was totally worth it. Arguably, if the Nets make it 
to a championship, even they, I don't even know if they have to win it, you know, would it be worth it? Like, yeah. I mean, because, you know, you gotta, you gotta look, I think next year they could get, I think it's slammed, right? I think, is it next year or the, or the after next year, all these guys can be, can just go be free agents. And so it's like, if they don't like it, then they can just dip. And then you gave up everything and then you have nothing like that's, I think the nightmare scenario, but I think these guys are, are there to win. I think you're kind of seeing this, uh, these players like fleeing from the West right now. And uh, I think it's, I think it's good for basketball across the board to kind of have like a, to have a little bit of uh, uh, have the talent dispersed a little bit and have the, have the East kind of repopulate with some, with some good talent. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting, right? Because you think about the NBA finals, just, just this past year, you know, you had Jimmy Butler and the Miami heat, Mm -hmm. good young core, with I don't know I mean like do we call Jimmy Butler a superstar I mean he is a star but is he a superstar you know like he's definitely like not the best player in the league but he works darn hard and he and he's and he's a solid player yeah top 10 top 15 and that's when I said that it's inevitable we'll see a Nets Lakers finals I think that's with the caveat too James of these teams experience injuries I think that is also a factor that you have to consider in the sense that but LeBron's like 36 now. And so, you know, I, I even hate speaking something like this into existence, but that comes with the caveat of if certain guy gets hurt, that could totally swing things as well. So we'll see how all of this unfolds, but James, the two man oh. band it's fun tonight, good, good energetic pod. And we've got an exciting weekend ahead as more coaching vacancies are going to get filled. And then you've got, Four football games. It's going to be a little bit of an adjustment for me, James. I won't lie because we had back-to-back triple headers last weekend, something I would like to see stay for the foreseeable future. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I personally – I mean, I don't know. I want to see how, the, how all of the NFL playoffs pan out, see the impact on the buys right now and, and just how that all looks. But I think just getting the extra wild card team in, I think it makes it more fun. I think it gets fan bases more involved in the playoffs. How about it, man? Two-man band. The two-man band. Sam Renchen should be back next week here on Stuck in Misery. But, James, this is always fun. I'll go ahead and sign off for the both of us here. For James West, I'm Mark Bergen. Thank you for listening to Stuck in Misery. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your shows. Take care. So long, everyone. And enjoy the NFL playoff action. Stuck in Misery.